0: Hello over there. This is Tony Campolo. Shane Claiborne is the other guy on the show with me. The name of this show is From Across the Pond, so named because we put it together on the uh, on the east coast of the United States. So we send the messages to you in the United Kingdom from over here in the USA. We, we put the program together at, at Cabrini University, which is across the street from Eastern University. Eastern University is where both Shane and I did our studying and where I taught for so many years and where Shane teaches occasionally <laughs> <laughs> with my, with my honorary doctorate. That's right. You do <laughs> have mother... an. don't knock it. A doctorate's a doctorate. <laughs> I'm grateful for it. It gets you into the movies at lower prices. Yeah. So uh, the truth is we are here every week at this time to try to talk about Christianity as it relates to the affairs of the day. Um, we really promote red letter Christianity. Uh, this is a movement which we've started over the last five, six years that's calling people to Actually, take... Actually, it's 2,000 it's 2, years old, Tony. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but they only had the red letters in the Bible recently.
1: Yeah, we learned that. Ignatius, right? It's yeah. great. A few hundred years old. We
0: got the name because if you go to some of the old Bibles here in the United States, this is not true in the United Kingdom quite as much. But here in the United States, most of the old Bibles have the words of Jesus highlighted with red letters. I don't know how many of those Bibles got across the pond to the United Kingdom, but they're all over the place here in the United States. And so we call ourselves rather Christians because in those Bibles, the words of Jesus are highlighted in red. And we think it's time to take the words of Jesus seriously. You know, we think that, uh, that uh, communism is radical, that Che Guevara was radical. Well, if you think that's radical, you haven't read what Jesus taught, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount, the fifth. 6th and 7th chapters of Matthew. Read it, and if that doesn't come out as radical, I don't know what does. And red-letter Christianity is about taking the words of Jesus at face value and endeavoring to live them out. Uh, When Jesus said, um, love your enemies, we make a big point out of that. That means you don't kill them. When Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, we think that has implications for capital punishment. Uh, When Jesus uh, talks about marriage, He talks about it in ways that we need to affirm in this day of sexual looseness. Uh, We think that Jesus had a lot of things to say about money and how money should be used. And uh, we take all this stuff seriously. And we think it's time that the church not only gets its theology straight from the Apostle Paul, but it prescribes a lifestyle that comes straight from the red letters of the Bible, the words of Jesus. Mm. And so it's on that note that we do this show every week you want to know about Red Letter Christianity, go to our website, redletterchristians.org, redletterchristians.org. There are articles, there are blogs, there's all kinds of stuff on there, and incidentally, the little church that I'm serving in South Philadelphia has just voted to be a Red Letter church. So churches are saying we want to be Red Letter churches, Christian organizations are lining up, they're saying... We've even had universities. Yeah. They want to we, be a red-letter yes, university. Yeah, so, so we're getting there, people. We're getting I, you there. You know,
1: I like how a lot of the traditions in the church, uh, especially the more liturgical ones, when you read the gospel, everyone stands, and it's a, a way of sort of honoring this. This is uh, the Word of God, and the whole Bible is, you know, breathed of God, but you, you look at Jesus, and we see not just words on paper, but the Word become flesh, and... The, the words of Jesus are kind of the lens that we can understand the whole Bible. So uh, uh, that, that's, uh, it's, it's taken off, Red Letter Christians. we got a whole bunch of folks over there in the UK and around the world. In Peru, we were hearing about a group there that's uh, all really resonating, that what we need right now is a Christianity that looks more like Jesus again and acts more like
0: Jesus again in the world. Standing up for the reading of the Gospels, evangelical churches don't do that very much. And I now have moved in as an interim pastor of uh, St. John's Baptist Church in South Philadelphia, the center for uh, outreach uh, in the Italian community for years and years and years. Now it's a multicultural church and uh, just a handful of people left. If you're in Philadelphia, come to St. John's Baptist Church, 13th and Tasker in South Philadelphia. (laughs) We'll put our arms around you and hug you in the name of Jesus. Now, on this issue... Of evangelicals. Uh, I'm intrigued with the fact that evangelicals have not only embraced uh, our our president, uh, Donald Trump, uh, but continue to support him no matter what ugly things come out about his lifestyle, about his dealings with Russia, about the way he refuses to face up to the fact that the Russians are interfering with the electoral process here in the United States. And, and we're, we're concerned about that. Uh, the idea is that uh, evangelicals used to say, uh, look, we're not concerned about political issues. We're only concerned about moral issues and people's personal relationship with Jesus. So now, all of a sudden, it's the other way around. They're saying, we're not really concerned about uh, Donald Trump's relationship with Jesus. I guess they are, in a sense. They want him to be saved.
1: But, They're certainly not concerned about his relationship with Stormy Daniels. Yeah,
0: and all these prostitutes right. that he's been running around with. His lifestyle certainly doesn't reflect anything that has to do with Jesus. To which people like Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson and all these uh, high level even what what's the response to all of that? Well, you, you you know, I I can remember even before
1: Donald Trump was president when when Jerry Falwell endorsed him. Uh, Jerry Falwell, the president of liberty university one of the biggest christian colleges in the world and he uh when they were uh kind of embracing each other in the background of the picture was donald trump on the cover of playboy magazine um you know (laughs) (laughs) photobombing and you're kind of like wow this is an incredible thing but you you kind of put the your finger on it that there's this this um kind of personal gospel and there's the social that we've uh Separated, and uh, the the interesting thing about much of the the religious right is that they have always said this is about saving individual souls and making God is personal and, and
0: and making people right with God, and as a consequence, living holy moral lives. Yeah, and and the the
1: kingdom of God is not about this world; it's about going to heaven when you die. Yeah. So there's all that,
0: and um. And guys like us were in trouble because we were saying it's more than that.
1: Yeah, and we've we've always said it's both. You know, we've always said these are like the two feet that we walk on. They're like sides of scissors that you you know they don't cut well without one another working together. So sin is uh, uh, personal and it's social. God, what God's doing, the kingdom of God is within us. God's healing individual souls, but God's healing the world. God so loved the world that Jesus came. So that that uh, uh, it what what's really fascinating to me though tony is is uh, we, we were talking before the show and um uh, jerry falwell uh, recently you know when really pressed on this uh, because so many of the policies of donald trump also betray jesus not only does his individual yeah. life but also his policies are um going against almost everything jesus said in the sermon on the mount and how we welcome the stranger the immigrant so uh, jerry falwell was kind of put on the spot and and uh and he, he literally said, this is a quote, it's on, on video, that I don't look to Jesus
0: when it comes to forming my political beliefs. I mean, Jerry Falwell, one of the leaders of American evangelical Christianity, said what? I, I don't
1: look to Jesus when it comes to sh- forming my political beliefs. Oh, my
0: goodness. So he, he's, he's schizophrenic, I mean, in a real sense. Uh, when I talk about personal life, I'm into Jesus. When it comes to social life... I'm leaving him out of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and so like Jesus came to teach us how to live as individuals, but that has no uh, social implications, you know, and, and that I think that's also what we see. And, you know, Franklin Graham has said, uh, why would we need universal background checks on guns? Because God has done a universal background check. <laughs> you know, the, the, this idea that, that the gospel actually doesn't have is totally irrelevant to something like 100 lives a day lost yeah. to guns. But it's so selective in what yeah. social issues matter. So it, it does matter when it's abortion, but not when it's gun yeah. violence.
0: Yeah, and uh, their point is we like his policies. And uh, I'm, I'm asking, what, what do you do with his policies? He's taking uh, all kinds of benefits away from poor people in order to give gigantic tax breaks to rich people is this what uh, Jesus would do? Uh, Would Jesus, in fact, favor the rich over the poor? And uh, as you people on the other side of the pond in the United Kingdom look at us, you're saying, is this what evangelicals in the United States are cheering for? The policies of a man who's taking benefits away from poor people and giving benefits to rich people? Is this what Jesus would do? Is this moral? Is this godly? And to have these evangelical leaders saying, well, he is opposed to abortion. I I don't know what he thinks personally. I I think he he became a pro life person because he wanted the nomination of the Republican Party, and he knew the Republican Party demanded that of him. So he says, "If that's what you want, I'll give it to you." Mm-hmm. So he's a. But to po-
1: say as as many evangelical leaders here, Robert Jefferson, Falwell, and Franklin Graham have said, he's the most pro life president in history. Like th- this is uh, absurd because. When you look at uh, uh immigration, he's not pro life. When you look at Black Lives and and racism, he's not been pro life. And so when, and when you we, look at the poor, the death penalty, he's just said, let's you know, let's start executing drug offenders, right? Like like so, all of these things like there's not a life ethic there. Yeah. Um, and and even you know he I, would so support
0: I, capital punishment, for instance. Surely, yeah. And and you know, are you pro life if you support capital punishment? I mean, you're for protecting the unborn. Uh, what about protecting the born?
1: Yeah. And, and and you know, to be fair, none of the leading candidates in the last election were um, uh, uh, against capital punishment publicly yeah. or anything. Although Bernie, Bernie Sanders was asked about it and he said, in a world with so much killing, why would I want more? It's yeah. a great answer. So I think yeah. that that's kind of what we're saying is like, let's stand for life, not just against abortion. And
0: just as a sociologist, let me tell you, the studies will reinforce the belief that capital punishment is not a deterrent. They, they often say, well, if you have capital punishment, uh, criminals will not commit the crimes that they once committed for fear of getting executed. Well, the truth is that research, extensive research, has been done on that. And it is evidence that uh, none of this is true, that uh, the death penalty does not deter people from committing uh, capital crimes. One of the best examples comes from the United Kingdom itself. They had a great problem with people being pickpocketed, you know, uh, in that uh, wonderful uh, musical, uh, you know, uh, the I picked, little boys were running around London picking people's pockets, you know. And uh, they even had a song uh, built about being pickpocketers. And uh, so they were going to make, if you're caught, Picking somebody's pocket, stealing a wallet from somebody, bumping up against somebody and taking away their wallet while they're still shaking a little bit. Death penalty. What they found out was that when they had the hangings, when they hung these people who were guilty of being pickpocket, more pickpocketing went on at those hangings than at <laughs> any other time. Because when they're ready to, you know, spring the trap door, And the guy's ready to die. Everybody is so totally focused on what's going on up there on the gallows Mm. that nobody's paying attention. And that's when uh, people could go around and pick five or six different wallets at at a given in just a minute. It was amazing. Uh, And the evidence was clear that it did not only uh, didn't deter, but created a situation in which pickpocketing became more prevalent. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Hey, so
1: when we let's, this, let's get back to this thing with the individual because it's it's hard to miss the the uh, like overt hypocrisy of supporting a president whose individual personal morality, uh, you know, thrice married, multiple affairs, like has lied. It's looking like over eight thousand times. Yeah, you know, is this amazing? Like tw- tweets in a way that we would never let our t- kids. Tweet, you know. uh, um, In fact, it was Max Lucato, I think, early on in this, that he's a you know wonderful devotional writer in Christianity and evangelical, and he um, he said when our daughters would date someone, we had a very minimalist requirement that the person had to pass a decency test. You know, it wasn't even like. They got to agree on all everything. You know, they don't have we, the bar is not high, but it, it's, it's just a decency test, you know. And he was, saying, you know, kind of implying that, that the president doesn't quite meet that requirement, you know. But yeah. I, I think like the defense of that, because what happens is there's a lot of folks that say, well, there's characters in the scripture that do terrible things like David yeah. raped Bathsheba um, and killed her husband. But David has a very strong moment of repentance, where he's really called out by Nathan and yeah. repents. And um, what yeah, has happened? I think it's I
0: think, the fifty-first Psalm. Uh, Against thee have I sinned, O Lord. Yeah, it and goes he, on. You can hear it. You know, I mean, yeah. his whole repentance in the Psalms is painful, weeping David over what he has done and how it has hurt the people of Israel. Uh, there's genuine repentance there. Uh, to and, and you know when they asked uh president Trump uh, do you right, ever exactly. ask yeah. God for forgiveness and he said no I've never asked God forgiveness never once that, that's not really how we relate to each other yeah you know I right mean, I mean <laughs> but so
1: and Dietrich Bonhoeffer you know he talked about cheap grace which yeah. is when we give grace without repentance without yeah. any signs of of change and fidelity to Jesus so um, I, I think that's really what we're in danger of and and perhaps even bigger than Trump is the the, the danger that so many evangelical leaders have forfeited their moral authority and their integrity um, for the sake of defending someone whose both personal life and social policies yeah. betray Jesus almost every day.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's very, very different. Uh, when, uh, when Jimmy Carter became president, he said, there's one thing, I, I, I may fail at a lot of things. One thing I will not fail at, I will never tell you a lie. He said that to the American people. Mm. And nobody can come up with any evidence that Jimmy Carter ever lied to the American people about anything.
1: Mm.
0: What a contrast from this Jimmy Carter, born-again Christian, who continues to teach his Sunday school class in, in Georgia every Sunday. No matter where he is, he flies home so as to teach his Sunday school class. This Sunday school teacher, this guy who never told a lie when he was president, uh, and he's looked down upon. And President Trump says, yeah, it's not only Obama that I don't like. I don't like the last eight or nine presidents. They None of them were as good as I am. Mm. Whoa, whoa. Mm. I got to tell you this, that Jimmy Carter did his best to live out the morality of Jesus on the personal level, and on the societal level. Mm. So he raised questions about war. Um, you know, when you say, I'm not interested in social policy, well, do you think the Vietnam War was sinful? Do you think the war in Iraq was sinful? Interestingly enough, uh, on the verge of the uh, of the uh, Iraq War, uh, when Tony Blair, then Prime Minister of uh Of of the United Kingdom, uh, allied himself with George Bush, who was president of the United States, in supporting the invasion of Iraq a second time for the second Iraq war. Uh, Claire Short, Mm. who made no professions of being uh, religious, Claire Short said, this is sinful. This is immoral. And uh, said to Tony Blair, if you go ahead and ally yourself with this war where we're invading this country. And as a result of that war, get this, 600,000 Iraqis lost their lives Mm. because there are supposedly weapons of mass destruction, which we now know there were no weapons of mass destruction. Mm. She was absolutely right. You're you're invading a country on a premise that isn't true. Mm. There are no weapons of mass destruction. We've had study groups in there and could find none. United Nations sends study groups in there, well, we could did, find and, one.
1: And we did find some weapons, uh, the bell helicopters that the U.S. sold to Saddam Hussein yeah. that he used to gas the Kurds. Yeah, there you right? go. So one there of the Iraqis you. said, we do have some weapons, maybe not weapons of mass destruction, but we have some weapons that, that you have the receipts for. Yeah, that's right. So you right. know we've got a few. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah we have the rece- receipts for what we gave Saddam Hussein. But the issue is a simple one. Uh, She said, if you pursue getting involved in this war, I'm resigning from the cabinet. Mm. Uh, She was Secretary of State for International Affairs and said, I cannot hold my head up as I deal Mm. on the international scene if the United Kingdom joins the United States in invading the Iraqi nation on a pretext that isn't true. Mm. I just can't go along with that. So there she is living out the morality of Jesus on a societal level, mm. even though she wouldn't make no claim of being a Christian.
1: So, so we should just pause for a minute and and uh, reintroduce ourselves for folks that may have just tuned in. This is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. Uh, our show, Across the Pond, is on every week at this time, and you can find out a whole bunch of more information on our website, which is redletterchristians.org. There's a little place there where... We have a a pledge or a covenant uh, where we we really commit ourselves to red letter Christianity, and we kind of outline what that looks like. But one of the key commitments is that we believe God is transforming individuals, and that God is transforming our world. Both that and. our gospel is both personal and has political ramifications.
0: Amen. I Appreciate it, so, yeah. man. appreciate
1: it. So, but go there and, and sign up. And um, well, we're all sustained by folks who pull our money together, pull our prayers together. And and um, you know, this week we've been talking about Donald Trump, but really what's happening in the United States is Trump is not changing evangelical Christianity, but he's revealing it. And what we see from many evangelicals is that um, we're we're confused about uh, what what we really stand for. That many white evangelicals uh, are more white than they are evangelical mm-hmm. in the traditional sense, and and um, and, and and so our our uh, concern about Trump is really uh, our concern about Jesus's uh, message in the world. And and so many of our brothers and sisters are con- conflating Christianity yeah. with Trumpism and support for Trump and. Um, I think more and more people are seeing that these are like magnets, that when you try to hold Trump and Jesus together, they just you know, kind of keep uh, pushing each other apart, and you can't reconcile these two things.
0: And, you know, one of the big places where uh, we as uh, red-letter Christians uh, differ with uh, mainstream uh, white evangelicals is over the issue of immigration, which is big issue here in the United States, as it is a big issue over there in the United Kingdom. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons why people voted to exit the European Union, uh, and why England is on, and and Wales and and uh, Northern Ireland and Scotland are on the verge of pulling out, is because uh, they were saying uh, the European Parliament uh, is dictating how we should treat immigrants. Mm. Uh, we don't want the European. Parliament telling us what we can do and what we can't do about immigrants. Mm. That was one of the big issues. Right. And uh, the truth of the matter is that uh, uh, we don't have an easy answer to the immigration problem. Don't think we're here pontificating with great knowledge and great policy. What we are saying is that we ought to read what the red letters say, namely, uh, on Judgment Day, the nations, read the 25th chapter of, Mm. of, of Matthew. We all know that it refers to individuals helping the poor and the oppressed, but read it carefully. It says, on that day when he shall judge the nations, nations will be judged for their policy. And he's going to ask the nations, what did you do about the strangers, the aliens, the immigrants that wanted entrance? Now, we can't just say uh, uh, the doors are open because the poor countries would pour their people into countries like the United Kingdom and England, but we should do a better job of sifting through. And what uh, Trump has done has labeled the people who are coming up from Latin America, labeled them as drug pushers and criminals. Yes, well, he's even said rapists yeah, and, and rapists. Of, yeah. yeah, I mean, do do people from that group commit rapes and murders? And uh, are they thieves? Of course, there are individuals that do that. Can you show me an ethnic group that doesn't do that? I mean. Well, and, and not at a higher rate than white
1: folks. And the, you look at you. you look at uh, this Cato study that uh, I, I really uh, thought, thought was incredible. They showed 10 things that are more likely to kill you than a refugee or immigrant. And yeah. there were things like swing sets, yeah. lightning, a vending machine falling on you. These are all things more likely to kill you than an immigrant. <laughs> so
0: there you go. There you go. Well, we're running almost out of time, and I hope you're back next week to listen to the show for a very important reason. Um, we're going to be talking about a tour of the United Kingdom that uh, Shane and I will be making in June, June 16th through 23rd. You can go to our websites. I have one, TonyCampolo.org. What's your website?
1: ShaneClayborn.org. Not Gee, that, creative. <laughs> Not yeah, that yeah, creative. Keep it, keep it simple, yeah. man. Yeah.
0: And uh, we list where we're going to be and where we're going to be speaking. So keep track of us. I'm not sure we have a schedule of where we're going to be in it's the United States. we're going to be everywhere. Yeah, we're yeah. going all over. Yeah, that's so we right. we hope
1: to see you. And for those that are uh, not going to be in the U.K., for those of you around the world, you can catch us on social media stuff. We'll be giving updates. we got some exciting stuff we're going to do. We're going to melt some knives down into a uh, so kind of swords to plows uh, thing over there. And we're going to be traveling with Ash Barker and others all over the U.K. So keep yeah. track of us on social media. And uh, it's it's always good to to see what's happening in the world because sometimes it can feel like the, the bad's overcoming the good. Yeah. But you've told me, Tony, that the wheat and the weeds are all growing together. It, so, that's
0: what the Bible says, doesn't it? Yeah. You read the parable, and it says the wheat and the tares shall grow up together until the harvest. So when you see all the weeds, all the evil in this world, don't get discouraged because not only is evil growing, but so is the kingdom of God as described in the red letters of the Bible. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. God bless and have a good day.